Cashflow Diary Podcast, episode 155. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. The podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leverage streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top-performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. I am your host, Jay Massey, and you know what? I'm absolutely overjoyed today. And that's not just excited. That's more than excited, simply because on today's show, you're going to be introduced to an individual who I am absolutely excited for you to meet because what he's doing in and of itself is one of the foundation uh, reasons, one of the fundamental plays behind the reason Cashflow Diary exists is to help in so many different formats and ways. And I'm just excited for you to meet him. I'm excited for you to understand more about all of us and entrepreneurs, and most importantly, how your passion can eventually result in cash flow, how you can do well and do good simultaneously, because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about and how that may actually manifest in its of in and of itself for you today. In fact, we're going to give you an opportunity to do some good. If you can't think of anything else to do, I will make sure that you have an opportunity today to actually do some good for someone that you may not ever meet, but probably care about and don't even know it yet. So here's the thing. Oftentimes, when you're looking at a business, you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do? Who am I going to serve? Well, John Harris has figured out whom he is going to serve. And you're like, I I haven't heard of John Harris. That's fine. But you will today, and most importantly, you'll hear of Athlife, A-T-H-L-I-F-E, Athlife. John Harris has created and implemented an education, career development, and life skill programs for professional collegiate and high school athletes and organizations for more than 20 years. That's a long time. Have you ever wondered what happens uh, once one of the pro- pros finish playing? How do they transition and who helps them and how to make that work? That's what I get excited about. They currently are working with the NFL Players Associations, the Players Trust, the NBA Retired Associations. We're talking the professional people that you have seen day in, day out, week in, week out, that we have all celebrated their greatness in one arena, helping them transition to another. What I'm excited for you to learn today is why this is needed and more importantly, how you can help and most importantly, what it is that you and I can do, not only as real estate investors, but business owners, to go out there and to make a difference. John, I am glad that you are here. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, I still have to follow our standard format, and I'm definitely glad that you're here because, you know, entrepreneurs come in various flavors of all kinds, and many different things inspire us. And one of the things, uh, you know, everybody listening knows exactly where I'm, what I'm about to ask you. The I look at today's entrepreneurs, regardless of whom you choose to serve and how we go out there. 
as like, you know, yesterday's superheroes or like today's entrepreneurs. They're the same type of person. So Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, whatever you'd like. We all fly around and help people, you know, and, and in various different ways. And occasionally we dress up. They put on capes and we put on suits occasionally and, and do those things. Um, however, before they flew, before they got bit by a spider or all those other things, they, they were just normal people at some point. And for most cases, not all of them. But what we want to know is before you were out there making a difference in the lives of professional uh, athletes, etc., who is John Harris? Well, John Harris was uh, born uh, in upstate New York in a small town on the outskirts of, of Syracuse. And if anybody knows anything about Syracuse, they know that basketball is king up there. And you kind of get the bug as a kid. And, and while I knew I'd never make it professionally, um, I did want to take it as far as I could. And I was fortunate enough to make my way to DePaul University, uh, where I first walked on and then was able to earn a scholarship in my last year. And when I was there, I had the thought in my mind that I wanted to be a coach. I really felt that, that I had a passion for basketball and coaching and people, and somewhere along the way, I realized that coaching can take its way in, in many shapes and forms and uh, was able to transition from when I graduated, I transitioned to working for a nonprofit called the National Consortium for Academics and Sports. And it was there that I, I had an internship where we worked with athletes uh, strictly on the degree completion and and. Uh, in, in other educational services, it was really the precursor to what I'm doing now. And um, it was the origins of player development um, out of the NFL, out of the original collective bargaining agreement in 93 that produced player development. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, for some who may not understand, what tell us a little bit more of what player development actually is and is about. So player development uh, was... Was really it was collectively bargained between the union and the league back in the early '90s because uh, what what players found was that when they were transitioning out of the, the average career is about three years and, and when they were transitioning out there really weren't uh, they weren't really prepared for that life after so the idea was while they were actively playing they would do things such as you know internships degree completion. They'd get financial education, the rookie symposium, which is rookie orientation, came about. And at each of the teams was a player development director, kind of a person who was there to work with the guys uh, year-round, helping them understand that that uh, at some point they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go out and they're gonna have to work. And they're gonna wanna work, quite frankly, even for the ones that do well. Uh, they do wanna be able to go out there and, and contribute to society. Yeah, well, and you bring up an interesting point about them wanting not only having to work, but actually wanting to work. But you also said something I thought was interesting. You said the average career was three years. Uh, what sport was that for? Or is that all? Like? Well, it, in the, the ones I'm most familiar with are, you know, the NFL and the NBA, uh, where the average career is, is just over three years. Um, now, it's a little bit different with, with professional basketball, because even when you're done playing here in the States, there are opportunities overseas. And I think what happens with basketball is it makes it even harder because it, somebody may be 30, 35, 40 years old before they transition to that next career. And, and with football, it might be, you know, if you're 24 and you're done playing and you're not going to go to Canada, uh, 
or the arena league, you it, it's easier to walk into an entry level job, um, and that's where some of the challenges that 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 former NBA players face is that their careers are extended because of Europe. Interesting. I never, I didn't put it that way and never thought about it that way. Now, you mentioned something that I thought when we were talking before, and I'm sure a number of people may be thinking about. The athletes, though, you know, why on earth would they, quote unquote, need to work? I mean, they just finished playing, and, and what what's the necessity behind even making this transition? Can't they just, aren't they self-sustaining in most cases? Well, I think that's... Um everybody kind of has a different situation. I mean, there's, there are some guys that never play a snap. And then there's some guys, uh, if you think, uh, in terms of Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter was 40 years old, retired in grand fashion. Probably every athlete would wish they could retire like they did. And what did he do three days after he retired? He launched a new media business. So I think part of it is there's a necessity. Sometimes guys will need the money. And then, uh, there is also the value of being out there and being a contributing member of society. I, I remember I had one guy a few years back who, who did very well, played 10 years, and he said, oh, I'm just going to move to Jackson Hole. I'm going to golf and fish and just relax. And I said, that's it? He said, yeah. But a year later, he came back and said, well, there's only so much golfing and fishing you can do. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I've, I've experienced that very same thought process. Go. I, there was a couple of years ago where I said I was going to retire. And what I did is I just played with uh, photography equipment and remote control helicopters. Uh, and there was only so much of that I could do. It's like, wow, this is it. I got to do something else and help in some way, shape, or form. So, Help me understand some of the origins. So you're you're working with the consortium, and you're you're in this environment where you're seeing this need. What on earth inspires you to go? You know what? I can do something about this, and this is what I want to do. How how did that thought process even come into your mind? Well, you know, and I think for the benefit of the entrepreneurs that that are listening. Um, as with any business, learning the business is critically important if you're going to go out and do your own thing. And so the our what we had built with the education program was very successful. It was very well utilized by the former or by the active player population. And so what happened is the NFL decided they wanted to bring the program in house along with some of the other programs that that they had really just said, hey, we're not even sure guys are going to take to this. And, and they found that they were. They brought me in-house to set up and run the education program at the NFL at the corporate offices. So I did that. Um, and after some time working there, I realized that r- the next biggest challenge was the former player population. We might work with an active player, do some things. And really, when they became most responsive was at the end of their career. And then as they walked into that next phase, and, you know, our job was to work with the active players. So I identified a need in the marketplace, uh, just like any good entrepreneur would do. And then I built something that solved the problem. Um, I didn't necessarily look at it and say, uh, it, quite frankly, there was no money out there. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to build something because so-and-so is paying for it. It said, well, I know there's a problem. And if I figure a way to solve it, then hopefully the market will meet me there and, you know, I'll be at the right place at the right time. So um, that's really what happened. And I went out there, took a leap of faith, um, worked 
in the areas where I knew that, you know, I could get a foothold in terms of working with the active player populations through some of the teams. I did a lot of work in the college space. And then, um, you know, five years later, we actually started the Athlife Foundation, which is a 501c3 non-for-profit that really works with um, inner city high school athletes, primarily inner city, although we are on a few Native American reservations and a couple of rural spaces. But um, so what we did was just kind of create this this whole from the time you're in high school all the way through your former pro and everything in between. We would work to help you with that preparation for and then eventually that transition to that next thing. Yeah. And in I love the general uh, understanding of that there was a problem in the marketplace and you found it you and you found a very specialized uh, I'll call it customer, for lack of a better way of putting it, who had needs throughout their entire career cycle, which spanned all the way back, and you've developed the system to actually serve them, which I, I commend, which is exactly what entrepreneurs should do. And so here, here's the question. Um, since you've started the your, your business, tell us uh, a little bit, what has been some of like the greatest disappointments and some of the highest highs that you've experienced from serving your very, uh, the very same customer we're referring to? Well, I think um, what we get the most value out of is when we see somebody that light bulb go on and they begin to do things and take ownership over the process. So the way we work um, in general is, you know, we feel that who we're working with is the expert in solving their problem. And so when we see them realize that they are the expert and it's not necessarily they're going to get the hookup from us, but <laughs> we're going to work with them on fundamental skills, um, that's the most rewarding part. I mean, you know, from a pure business standpoint, um, you know, there were certainly some seminal moments probably a couple of years back um, out of the last collective bargaining agreement, actually, there was an, uh, there was money, a significant amount of money set aside for the former player population with transition from the NFL and a whole, a whole ecosystem of support was launched. Everything from, you know, if guys uh, had not get, gotten a physical since they had got done playing, they were able to go at no cost to one of uh, four, now five hospitals throughout the country, you know, Mass General, Tulane, Cleveland Clinic. I mean, the best of the best and go get that real, um, you know, brain and body and get, get, get an assessment of where they were health wise. They brought in guys who, you know, maybe were overweight or needed to maintain it, it get back into shape athletes performance, um, now known as Exos, who, who does a lot of the pre-draft training for a lot of guys and does, does military work. They were brought in. Um, we were brought in to do the education and the career component financial finesse. Um, does, uh, they are, um, they're financial advisors who've given up their license and strictly do education with the guys on everything from budgeting to what a 401k is and everything in between things that they've all had access to all along the way. Um, you know, that's, those are the things that now they're truly taking advantage of and, ta and taking advantage of it a big way. And just to see this thing grow the way it's grown. Um, I know, are currently we're working with over 900 um, what we call life leads with their transition. Um, and there's well over, at this point, it's got to be at least 1,600 guys just on the NFL uh, retired player side working towards their transition. So those were some of the really positive things. 
and there's always challenges. Um, I think any entrepreneurial know, I mean, there were times where I'm like, what am I doing? I like, why don't I just go get a regular job? Um, you know, there people, I guess the best advice I ever got when I first started really came true. Somebody said to me, well, you're going to have three people who are going to come out of nowhere and save your butt and three people who you thought you could count on who are going to disappoint you. And he couldn't have been more right. You multiply that by 10. Um, and it's really been amazing to see how that's, you know, played out over the last 10 years. Okay. Okay. Now you, you've intrigued me What these three people. You said three people that are going to come out of nowhere and three people that are, you think you can count on expound on that a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were times where, you know, you, you know, at some point you, you know, you got to nail down these contracts and I'll tell you, there were a few times where I was like, it, it was a contract that wasn't on my radar. I was not expecting. And all of a sudden, we've got life back in this, you know, in a way where I can, you know, keep this thing growing and not just feel like I'm a consultant. You know, I feel like I actually have a a real business. And, you know, there were a few times where people said they were going to come through on things and they disappear. Um, I'm actually dealing with that now. Like, where'd you go? I, I was waiting for you. And, and then, but that happens, you know, and I, and I think everyone's dealing with their own, their own things on their end. And, you know, what I just ask of anybody who I'm doing business with is, you know, this is, this is my life. This is my livelihood. Like I can take the bad news, just give it to me sooner rather than later. So I can be smart (laughs) on how I spend my time. Totally. So it sounds like you two have been given unlimited lifetime access to somebody's voicemail for free. It sounds like that, that has happened to you at least once. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, to put it, to put it mildly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got it. Got it. Totally understood. And so, all right. So some of the same things happen. It's just, it, which is interesting to hear. Um, but yet, so then you, you have to come to this resolution still. I mean, cause every entrepreneur does what makes you keep going then in those moments and, and why keep doing it? Why does it matter? Well, I got to tell you, um, first and foremost, I mean, you got to have the support from your family and, you know, between my wife and my, you know, my family and friends, they've been incredibly supportive. Um, I remember at one point I had, I was, I had executed a contract with somebody and they came back the second time and it, it was, it looked different and I wasn't happy at all. I was pretty frustrated. And so, um, I remember my wife saying, well, just don't do it. I was like, what do you mean? We need this. You know, we've got, she said, you got into this. So you didn't have to do that. Like, you'll figure it out. And just to have that kind of support is, you know, I mean, it, there's nothing better than that because the opposite could have been true. Hey, we have to get this. And then you're doing something you don't like. And at that point, just go work a job. Right, right, right. And it's a special woman that says, you'll figure it out. I, I, I'm always challenged when my wife says that because that's, that's when I'm, <laughs> that's usually when I don't have a clue. I'm like, really? I am? I'm glad you're so confident. Could you give me a hint? Throw me a bone? Cause right now I ain't got it. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's well, good. And, and I think, yeah. And I think that's the hardest part about being in, you know, sometimes is, when you don't have somebody who really understands your business, who you can really sit down and talk with, um, you know, I, I think I equate it sometimes with 
when the athlete transitions and everybody feels like, oh, you played in the league, you made money, you're good. And you're like, no. And the guys are like, no, I'm not. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, you feel like, well, you know what? You know, I, I do need somebody to be able to bounce this off and dive in, do a deep dive with who can who can really, really understand the issues. And that's that's hard sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Especially when the general perception is everything must be fine. You, you've, you, I'm sure in your case, they're like you, you're, that's your customer. Of course, if, if, if that's who you're working with, you, you should have no problems, uh, ever. Right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is, uh, not always the case, not always true. So if you were to, I'm kind of curious now, if you, knowing what you know today, say you go back 10, 15, 20 years, what have you, would you tell yourself something different? Would you have done something in a different way um, in in terms of how the business developed? Do you see it? Does it at least make sense now? Does all the pain, the struggle, the strife actually make sense today? Are you tired of letting good cash flow generating ideas go to waste? Go to cashflowdiary.com forward slash ready to apply for a complimentary Yes, that means free, one-on-one breakthrough session. Take action now. Go to CashflowDiary.com forward slash ready. Again, that's CashflowDiary.com forward slash ready. Before we get back to today's episode of the Cashflow Diary podcast, your host, Jay Massey, has some important insights to share with you. All right. Now, have you noticed that this particular episode is like, exciting for me anyway. Uh, hopefully it's exciting for you too, because these are the things that I want you guys thinking about. When you're going out there to build your business, your cash flow, your real estate, whatever it is that you are out there doing, remember, how can you serve a unique set of clients? If nothing else, please, if nothing else you get from this particular episode is one, that you can find a unique set of individuals to serve and serve them well. And if you happen to serve a unique set of individuals who can make a great impact, you too can also then therefore make a great impact. One of the biggest things that uh, I know we've all read it, we've all wanted to do something about it, and we've all seen the story of the guy who or gal who went out there and played some sports, and then after the sports, there was nothing left of them. We never heard of them. It's always the, where are they now? Well, now uh, you can you know of at least one person, one more entity and organization that's out there, and I just want you to hear the rest of this and everything that he's got to say, because it's just that important. I think it does, and you know everyone's situation is different. I think I think we all would do things a little bit different if we could go back. And I ended up in a so far in a really good place as of today. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow <laughs> will bring, but um, you know I, I think one of the things is while I was working that job at the NFL, I didn't even have in my mind like starting a business. It wasn't on the radar. I was like, I got a good thing. I like it. And then things began to transpire. And I said, well, and and I really rushed to it. You know, very fortunately, I was able to figure it out. But um, I think I probably would have taken my time a a little bit more time um, and planned a little better. Um, And had I done that, I might not have started my own business, though. So I think it's, you know, kind of a catch-22. Right. Uh, it's like, had I known yeah. then that I was going to have to go through what I've gone through, I probably would have never started. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, and I think in general, I would just encourage anyone who is starting up their own is just really work in that business, really learn it, um, you know, not only from a technical aspect, I think technically I, I knew how to do the work, I think, but running a business is totally different and it's a totally different skill set. And I've transitioned from being a worker bee to, you know, a leader and I still want to be a worker bee. I kind of feel like, you know, the whole, you know, jobs was thing, you know, I, I want to be the tech who's still on the line doing the work. And I realized that I also need me out there being the voice of the company and, and, um, I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing in that space, I think. Yeah, that's a, that you want to talk about a transition that's challenging. <laughs> that one, it, yeah. it throws many entrepreneurs for a loop. So now what I would love everyone to know more about, because I've had a couple of opportunities to speak with, you know, some professional athletes either just before they retired or just after they retired because they were, you know, they're trying to plan their cash flow. They're looking, all right, maybe real estate is what I can do. And they're, uh, they're, they're some are in, you know, very unique situations, uh, to, to say the least. However, there was a common theme through all of them. There was a concern that, you know, they're, they were perceived as just an athlete as if that's the only thing that they were capable of doing. What I would really love everyone to, to hear more about is your, your more than campaign and, and what that means and, and what you're out there to, to promote and help bring awareness to. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, uh, this is, this goes back maybe just a couple of years now. We are always challenged when we're working with athletes in transition, and particularly the athletes themselves, in getting some people in the world to see them as something other than an athlete. And you know, we were racking our brains, and sometimes the answer is right in front of you. And we're like, they're more, they're just more than they're more than football. Now, football and basketball and soccer that is part of their identity, and it's a very, very strong part. But they do have more things to offer. You know, and, and we have everything from guys getting barber licenses and driving truck to law school and medical school and everything in between. So the more than campaign was really we did this last year, 365 days of athletes doing things in the community that were non-sport related. And what we found is, is we had more stories than that. Um, what was disappointing was the number of people clicking on those stories you know, there was probably one story about Ray Rice last year that got a thousand more clicks on ESPN than, you know, the great story about the the homeless student who got a scholarship to Georgetown. Um, and so there's incredible stories of, of athletes being these very heroic and very normal people all in the same breath. And I think sometimes that, um, the world doesn't necessarily see that because when they're clicking on ESPN, those are the stories that aren't, you know, on page one. <laughs> You're saying good news doesn't make the front page. Seriously. Yeah. Occasionally, occasionally it does, but, um, not certainly not often enough. And, um, you know, we're, we're trying to push it. We're trying to push that message out there. And I think it's, it's, it's a battle, but, uh, we're, we're going to keep, we keep doing it. You know, this year we've gone to, you know, just a couple of stories a week because I think I tried to make the point last year that there's so many, we're just going to put one out every day. But, um, you know, hopefully if people follow us, you know, uh, you know, on, on any of our social media, they can follow those good stories of people doing well out there. Now, the, the other thing that I would 
love to hear because I have a strong just belief that a person's past um, has a, a very strong determination on how – gives them a unique advantage, I should say, and what it is that they choose to do in the future. For example, if a single mom was considering getting involved in real estate investing, she might go – might think that I've, I've – I don't have – the skill sets for that. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you can get your kids to go to bed on time ever, you've got the same skills that are required to go out there and do real estate. I would love to hear from your perspective, what unique advantage do you see that the athletes bring to either that new corporation or that new job or that new business because of how they've been, you know, trained and disciplined or, or, or what have you in their past? Uh, I think the number one thing, and, and I think that we can all appreciate, is it's dealing with failure. As an athlete, you fail over and over and over again. You lose games, you get beat on a play, and you got to get to that next play. And you're able to put it behind you and focus on the future. And I think when anytime anybody in any business, uh, they, may be di- they may hire somebody who has never failed, they got all A's and they're really, really smart. Well, what happens when you reach, when you hit adversity, when things get really tough? Um, you know, are you going to be able to think about Kentucky in the tournament? They haven't lost all year. What, what's going to happen when they get into an overtime game and they don't have that experience? Um, you know, and I think our athletes uh, that we work with are, have, have just, you know, they're the best in the world at what they did and you don't get there by accident. So I think those are transferable skills. That is the, to me, it's the, mo- the most important transferable skill that they have because everyone's going to be different. Some are leaders, some are not. Um, some are introverts, some are extroverts. Um, some are, you know, when we do the career assessment, they, you know, they have skills where they're, they're very interested in working with their hands. Some guys want to work behind a desk and, and stare at a computer and not deal with people. So all of those things, I think, you know, are very similar to the the general population, but it's that dealing with adversity and dealing with failure that I think, you know, failure is a gift and and they've been given that gift a lot. (laughs) Yes. I often tell people that they need to fail fast, fail forward and fail frequently in order to get to the success that they desire. And that's usually when they quit. (laughs) They're like, I don't want to do any of those things. But I love how you put it here because that would be a very unique skill. I think our our educational system, as it's currently structured, doesn't prepare us to deal with the realities of failure and how to fail because we haven't learned how to do it. But you you don't get a championship ring. You don't win a game. You don't play at the professional level, even if I, I would assume this still even applies if that person never even played a snap or got in, got in the game once, they would still have learned how to deal with failure, yeah? Yeah, even more so. I mean, you think about you've been the best in high school, the best in college, and you get to the pro level and you don't even get to play a snap. Um, talk about dealing with, with failure. Um, you know, and that's some of the challenges that our guys face is working through that. Sometimes when their career is over, they don't feel they can go back to their community because they feel they let people down. And and that's not necessary. Now, maybe there are people in the community that may look at them, but like the fact that you made it, you were one of the best, you know, think about it in the NBA. There's less than 500 guys who play in the NBA. You're one of the 500 best people in the world at what you did. That's, that's incredible. Like to me, if you make it to that level, even if you don't get to play, you know, play it down or, or, uh, you know, 
or, or get in the get in a game. I mean, you you've really accomplished something. Yeah, five hundred out of what six seven billion people. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. That that those are good. Those are good. Uh, so, what would you say then is the the number one challenge that you, your business currently face, either from a perception standpoint, uh, that that we that we could do those of us listening to, to possibly assist when we, cause I know, I know for a fact, there's a number of people listening who are either, um, you know, retired professional athletes, their children are retired athletes. Cause you, I mean, and they, they all know that we're here to try to help and build, build, help them with, you know, real estate related matters. But I know we were talking before and there was just you know the media wants to talk about one thing but i want to know what you want to talk about as it relates to the athletes and their cause and how we might be able to help as the common everyday person um well i i think the number one thing that someone really has to do when they're out there trying to find that next thing be it an athlete or not is it's discovery it's really diving deep and connecting with people um you know, as an athlete, uh, a lot of times you build these walls up around you because there's people who always want, want, want. And then when you're a former, then all of a sudden nobody's calling. And so what we want and we really encourage our the population we work with is to get out there and connect and learn. Um, it's very easy to say, oh, I want to be a coach because you were coached. And so... And you have in your in your mind that, hey, I understand the game of football or basketball or soccer or whatever, and I want to go coach. Well, it's there's so much more. There's so many other ways that you can coach. And, and quite frankly, you may go out there and you may volunteer as, as an assistant somewhere and realize that the last thing you want to do is coach. Or you definitely don't want to coach on the college level because you have to recruit. Or, you know, you want to make sure you're home for dinner every night. So maybe I really don't want to coach. Maybe I just want to coach my kids in Pee Wee. Um, and it's beyond coaching. There's so many other things out there. There's so many other opportunities. And we just want our, the population we work with to really go out there and discover how their interests overlay with the different opportunities that exist out there in the world. Yeah, totally understood. Totally understood. Now, I, I know you and I, we, we share something in common in, in the sense that we've both taking some time to work with high school athletes to go out there and share some, in our case, it's obviously it's financial education through the cash flow game and basketball camps, et cetera. Um, I'd love for you to talk about what you guys are doing down at that level and how we might be able to participate and help. 40 years ago on the college level, academic support for student athletes didn't exist. Colleges were bringing in student athletes that were not, is prepared to deal with the rigors of, of college academics. And so they, they created these positions of academic support to deal with student athletes. Fast forward 40 years. Now there's buildings being built and, you know, to, for academic support and class checkers and tutors. And, you know, there's this tremendous support structure in place and student athletes. Now, maybe if they come in in particular in football and basketball, start behind the general student population, but when they're done, actually finish ahead because they have so much support around them. We're, tr we're on the high school level creating that same thing. We want to create the professional position of academic counselor to work with student athletes on the high school level. So currently we operate um, as, a, as a national platform 
for 35 schools in 13 states or uh, 12 states in the, the District of Columbia. And we do that through the Washington Redskins Charitable Trust, the Heisman Trust, and a number of, of other organizations that want to put this position in place so they can have not just somebody come in and speak one time, but have year-round support in the classroom. And the results over the last five years have been pretty astounding. I mean, in our toughest communities, uh, we increase graduation rates, increase attendance, increase on the college, things that are very meaningful uh, to the to the school to the point where schools self-invest and really take this position on themselves, which allows us to go on and add more schools into the mix. Nice. Absolutely love that. And for for those listening who have been uh, listening enough, I, I guess at this point, I mean, I, I hear the mission. I resonate with your mission. It's one of the things that... that um, we're working to to help prevent and in and, and the way that we can is to be able to work with individuals to help them develop cash flow, especially those that because I, I can't take another story of so and so used to be the athlete. Now he's working on the street or living on the street. I, I'm like, well, we can do something about that over here at the cash flow diary. And you're doing something about that before it becomes that story. And I and I definitely resonate with that. So what what I would love to do is I, I want to I want you to personally let us know one how how can we get in catch up with what you guys are doing and get some of those stories that are on social media and I know that there's probably a few of you who are listening right now you would like to at least if you can't physically contribute time you're okay with the idea of con- donating some funds to help uh, John and Athlife continue to do what they're doing, especially at the high school level. So I'd love for you to give us the details on both of those things, how we can track you down online and get some of those good stories out there. And maybe we can start sharing those on Facebook, as well as uh, telling us how we might be able to help further your cause in our own little way. Well, you know, I think first and foremost, you know, as to paraphrase Frederick Douglass, it's easier to Uh, build strong children, then fix broken men. So where I think we first need to start is, you know, the Athlife Foundation is a 501c3 non-for-profit. If you go to athlifefoundation.org, there's a place where you can learn more about how you can get involved, be it through, you know, donating time, donating money, or, um, you know, any other way, if you have something that you think that would would add value, you know, we would certainly... uh, We'd certainly welcome the conversation. And then, um, you know, the other thing, as you said, Jay, to just be able to spread the word, you know, I think if you go on any social media, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, and our handles are Athlife or Athlife Inc. Inc. Uh, and if you follow us on there, you're going to get great stories, great content. Um, even for the general person on the street, we put something out called Life Elite Fundamentals um, on a weekly basis where we talk about all the basic things someone has to do uh, from it's, it's in 400 word blog format and, you know, basic things that that you need to do as you're addressing your transition, uh, you know, relative to career. Awesome. Excellent. 100% love it. So final question here. Let's let's assume someone is listening and considering right now putting on their superhero outfit for the first time, becoming that entrepreneur. Maybe their customer isn't going to be a professional athlete, but they have an idea in their head that they think is going to work, but they're just not sure. 
what would you say to him or her right now? Well, you know, I, I think in the end, you know, we always go back to a couple things. One is we put our client first. And if we can build, if we can build something that solves a problem for that client, we become valuable. So even if someone else has built something similar or it has built something different, but it solves the problem, you know, really work, work on trying to create something that is going to solve a problem and then cultivate relationships with people that will allow you to uh, demonstrate that you're able to solve that problem. And, and cause really it's about two things. Obviously you have to have a good product, but you also uh, have to have a relationship. Uh, the best products sometimes sit on the shelf and never make it. So whatever you're building, if you can cultivate relationships with the right people, that's going to help um, move whatever you're doing forward. Excellent. I personally want to say thank you for taking the time to invest here with the Cashflow Diary audience. And uh, just because I know you're, you're out there doing good things and, you, and you've taken the time, hopefully we can produce a return for you as well. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And, uh, you know, we really do appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean today? Well, it's clear. You know you've heard some things that you could possibly participate in. So go over to the websites. Start sharing those news articles because at the end of the day, if we together each share just one time, there's going to be a whole lot of people who are out there being made aware of these challenges. And most importantly, you and I can make a difference. And that's the thing that we're about here today. Guys, you've got great ideas. Let's go get them into the field so that they can go do really, really good things. And we can do that together. It's been fun talking to you guys today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time.